0: Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Well, they're at it again. What do you mean? They're going to announce it soon, but... They'll be renovating Port Authority Bus Terminal again.
1: Didn't they just renovate it? I mean, I remember them putting video boards up or something on the outside.
0: Sort of. There were talks to sell the air rights and put a 45-story tower on top of it. Yeah. But the talks lapsed, and when they came back to the table, the air rights had gone up by $15 million because of the rise in values of Times Square.
1: Hence why we have the coming?
0: Yes. It seems like the state is doing a huge overhaul of all its major transit hubs. Wardia, JFK, Penn Station, and now the Port Authority Bus Terminal.
1: Interesting.
0: I didn't realize until we got here just how many people actually use buses to still get around. It's not a huge form back where we come from, but here it's up there with subways and trains. It harkens back to another time when people could just hop on a bus and get where they needed to go.
1: That tour guide license is really paying off isn't it?
0: You have no idea. I'm really getting excited to put it to use and start showing people around.
1: I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Cortez.
0: Today we are going to be discussing the classic show, The Trip to Bountiful.
1: So hurry and take your seats, it looks like the show is starting.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome into today's performance of Stage Whisper. All aboard the 720 to Bountiful, stopping at Houston, Katy, and San Antonio along the way. We hope you got your ticket ready so you can board with us on this adventure as we take you down memory lane with the show, The Trip to Bountiful.
1: The star-studded show arrived on Broadway and brought this familiar story to audiences during a jam-packed season.
0: But before we depart, let's load up on the essentials first.
1: The Trip to Bountiful is a play by American playwright Horton Foote. The play premiered on NBC's television on March 1, 1953, starring Lillian Gish. It subsequently premiered on Broadway at Henry Miller's Theatre in November 1953 for a run of 39 performances. The play was adapted into a film of the same name, released in 1985.
0: The play was produced off-Broadway by the Signature Theater Company at the Peter Norton Space in 2005. It was revived on Broadway at the Stephen Sondheim Theater, which stands where Henry Miller's theater stood.
1: This makes the perfect time to introduce our design team.
0: Playwright Horton Foote, director Michael Wilson, scenic design Jeff Cowie, costume design Van Broughton Ramsey, lighting design Rui Rita, Music and sound design, John Gramada; wig and hair design, Paul Huntley, and makeup design, Angelina Avalon.
1: The show arrived at the Sondheim Theater on April 23, 2014, where it would play for 187 performances, closing on October 9, 2013.
0: That season, the show would be nominated for four Tony Awards and would drive away with one for Best Actress in a Play to Cecily Tyson, who played Mrs. Carrie Watts.
1: So, let's climb aboard and begin our journey.
0: In post-World War II, 1940s, this is the story of an elderly woman, Carrie Watts, who wants to return to her home, the small, rural, agricultural based town of Bountiful near the Texas Gulf Coast between Houston and Corpus Christi.
1: This is where she grew up, but she's frequently stopped from leaving Houston by her daughter-in-law and her overprotective son, who will not let her travel alone.
0: Her son and daughter-in-law both know that the town has long since disappeared due to the Depression. Long-term out-migration was caused by the drawdown of all the town's able-bodied men to the wartime draft calls and by the demand for industrial workers in the war production plants of the big cities.
1: Old Mrs. Watts is determined to outwit her son and bossy daughter-in-law and sets out to catch a train, only to find that trains do not go to Bountiful anymore. She eventually boards a bus to a town near her childhood home.
0: On the journey, she befriends a woman traveling alone and reminisces about her younger years and grieves for her lost relatives.
1: Her son and daughter-in-law eventually track her down with the help of the local police force however mrs watts is determined the local sheriff moved by her yearning to visit her girlhood home offers to drive her out to what remains of
0: bountiful the town is deserted and the few remaining structures are derelict mrs watts learns that the last occupant of the town and the woman with whom she had hoped to live has recently died she is moved to tears as she surveys her father's land and the remain and the remains of the family home
1: having accepted the reality of the current condition of bountiful and knowing that she has reached her goal of returning there before dying she is ready return ready to return to houston where her daughter and where her son and daughter-in-law arrive to drive her back
0: having confronted their common history in bountiful the three commit to live more peacefully together They begin their drive back to Houston. The end. the part to be liked or the parts maybe that could have been better. Um,
1: I mean, this is definitely a classic post-World War II um, show. It has all those elements of, trying, of a generation trying to heal, mm-hmm. um, but not really wanting to talk about mental health, so there's still that attached stigma of healing as well. Um, I also enjoyed that this production was a cast of color, yes. or at least the majority of it was cast of color, whereas traditionally, from the movie, um, they were played by Caucasian actresses and actors. Yes. So that was kind of a fun take.
0: Now that I've read more Horton Foot, because you know me, I do love a good play to read, um, and I've seen more Horton Foot. um, I appreciate the show more than I did at the time. Um, at the time, I was like, this is a little wordy. It's, uh, there isn't as much action to it. The, now that I've read it, I'm like, ah, this is, that is the point. This is more, it's similar like Tennessee Williams where it's like a memory play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, okay. I Again, I, the older you get, the more stuff you see and you're exposed to. The more you kind of look back and go, oh, that's what that was. I wish I'd known what I know now because I could have appreciated it in a different light, you know? Right,
1: but also considering how young we were at this time, this idea of returning home and needing to heal yourself from, you know, life traumas, we couldn't even begin to grasp that concept. Right. Because
0: we were so young. Well, I mean, that that idea is a big idea in itself. It's just the way that it was... Scripted. I was like, there could have been bigger action to get us there. You know what I mean? Not like a full-on bus chase or something, but it just felt the action itself felt small. But
1: that's kind it, of the point because exa- life—it didn't life need is small. to be. It yeah, didn't need
0: to be big.
1: Yeah, not everything in life is these. It huge, didn't need to be exaggerated. Moments.
0: Exactly. This was an instance where it didn't. It, it could have. It was fine being real and reflective. Um this is a heartbreaking tale of a woman who just wants to go home and the people that stand in her way, even if it's for her own good. And you find yourself fighting with that um, mm-hmm. idea where you're like, I can sympathize or empathize with Mrs. Watts and wanting to just go home, but then you're just like, yeah, but her son and daughter, like they know better and they're just trying to protect her. Right. You know. So who do you side with? It, it, it forces you to ask that. I guess, paradox question. And it puts you between a rock and a hard place. And and I think that's just really good writing that, that forces you to confront that kind of issue. Um, another thing that I really love, and I didn't read like, as we were watching it, this didn't dawn on me until obviously like halfway through and I was like, wait, this all sounds familiar. I remember recognizing this being referenced in many pop culture facets, this story, the basis of the story. And the best example I can think of is is the Golden Girls. When they do the Mother's Day episode, and they all tell the different stories about Mother's Days from days gone by. Mm -hmm. And Rose is going home to St. Olaf, right? And she's at the bus station in Minnesota. And there's the old woman. Okay? And they're trying to be like, are you so-and-so? Your family's looking for you? And Rose decides to pipe up and be like, I don't know who you think this is, but this is my mother. Because that's the older the... woman is trying to get home, go to see her daughter's grave. Mm-hmm. And that's all she wants. So she left her the old folks home, you know, for lack of a better term, to go see her daughter's grave for Mother's Day. And Rose... You know, this is my mom. No, we're traveling together. Right, She's not that's traveling. That's what
1: to... the, the bus companion does. Exactly, for, uh, exactly.
0: For yeah. Mrs. Watts. And yeah. I. And so as we're watching this play, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What? And it, and the Golden Girls aren't the only pop culture thing to have used that storyline. I mean, lots of TV shows and movies and that have used that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that stranger that helps the cover so that that person can go and do that.
1: Right. And that think,
0: needed cause, you I know? think it
1: just kind of goes to show also that sometimes there are things that you just have to do and you have to experience and experience the disappointment of it, even though it's going to hurt. And as a family member, you can't try to protect them from that hurt. You can only yes. be there to support them when it happens. Yes.
0: The last thing I want to say before we dive into our, our little boxes is that Cicely Tyson is a national treasure. And the pace and breath that she delivered her lines with allowed us to just savor those moments. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a um, a Christmas movie, a version of A Christmas Carol that she's in. Uh, Scrooge something. Anyway, she plays a female version of Scrooge. I can't think <laughs> of the name of the film. And if I ever do, I'll, I'll be sure to share it on social media. But she plays like this mumbling, almost kind of fool miser kind of character right Mm -hmm. um and in a way she does this here a little bit but a little bit more dignified and you hang on her words so the fact that she speaks a little slower a little more drawn out you know if it was any other show i'd be like oh my gosh could we please pick up the pace but i'm actually more leaning into it and i'm going take your time tell me what you need to tell me because not only is I mean she's got the presence it's it's Cecily Tyson, but then you've got that balance on stage of Vanessa Williams who has that power and presence and gravitas. I mean, if you've ever gotten to see Vanessa Williams on stage, she, she is. She just ha- She just walks on stage and has a presence. And what I love is I've heard she's actually a very nice person in person. Mm-hmm. Rarely does she play like this kind, sweet, I'm just just gentle-hearted little... No, she plays these really powerful, hard-headed, strong-willed female characters. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And she doesn't have to do much to do that on stage, and I love it. So you have that perfect balance, both in character and actual personality on stage, balancing that stage out beautifully, beautifully, beautifully. So I yeah. This would probably be a good time to dive into our boxes. So box 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 one where the phantom is not it. Um, let's talk oh about gosh. the set. I was trying to remember what box it was. Box box five. No, five? Yeah, four? was like four? box, box five. five. Did I not instruct that box five be left empty? Oh my gosh, that's not the show though. I know, I know. Um, so, so let's set set set. We're talking about the trip to Manifold and it's set.
1: I remember very beautiful just tones of greens and blues that felt like I was out in the wilderness. Like, you know, like the the road, like cross country.
0: Something I want to do more research in, and I was having a hard time finding it, but I'd be interested to know. I know that the Stephen Sondheim Theater is a roundabout theater venue. So does roundabout theater have a hand in the productions that are done there?
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: Because the set screamed roundabouts touch. Like you know when you see a Lincoln Center production and you're like, oh my god, yeah, absolutely, that's Lincoln Center. Yeah, same here. The detail and intricacy of each scene, mm-hmm. the bus station, the home in Houston, and especially the crumbling home on Bountiful. Like everything was fully realized and and in depth. There was it wasn't a painted backdrop or a flat. It was real. It was here. We were completely transformed into it. The many layers that existed uh, whether it be the chalkboard schedule in the bus station or the blankets and afghans in their apartment home or mm-hmm. excuse me, their home, you know, right. all these little details that they brought in to be like, you need to see that we have fully realized this it's, space. It's
1: historically accurate. This is we are here. The
0: bus station in Houston had a ceiling. And I know that sounds like, oh, what's the big deal? But trust me, listeners, go to theater shows and see how many of the shows you see have a ceiling. In their sets, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna typically with a set you're gonna if at most you get three walls, mm-hmm. but this had a full-on ceiling and it was carved out like it would be as a bus station post World War II. That detail was so. I mean, we were we were completely transformed, transformed, transferred, transformed there, transferred there, transported, transported. transported. <laughs> Man, I got a lot of words coming at you real fast. You know, this is a scene from Tommy Boy. There's a you lot know, of words coming at me. Speaking
1: of uh, transporting, maybe we should transport to the costume department. That
0: was an awful transition. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay, but before we do that, I do want to just say that, that you're not wrong about the colors on the set. Um, there were a lot of greens and blues and beiges a lot of beiges. And what I liked about that is by not having vivid colors everywhere, it allowed us to keep focus on the people, which I thought was really important. You know, um, it, it, it just, it made it so like we're setting up the space, but we're not, this is what it, 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 it it made your eye keep the focus without, does that make sense? Um, it did work that your brain, like you didn't, sub, you didn't consciously realize. Okay. So the because the set was more wasn't um, eye popping colors or anything, your brain naturally went to the to the characters who were in, as we will talk about these colorful costumes. Mm-hmm. So subconsciously, you were tune to the characters as opposed to the set. Sometimes when you see set pieces that have lots of color or whatnot, you will start to take in the set and then you'll get back to this. You are always constantly focused on the characters because that's what your eye naturally just goes to because that's what was standing out against the set, even though the set did a great job in setting the scene. So that leads us, that transitions us into costumes. That was just such a terrible joke. Why? Okay. Anyway. Tell me about the costumes. I, hope.
1: I mean, the costumes were so beautiful and historically accurate. And um,
0: am I gonna get this uh, right? I love a good swing dress.
1: Uh, no, this isn't the era of the swing dress. Um, but this is that classic nineteen, like late nineteen forties, almost fifties, like um,
0: pa- silhouette. Okay. So we're
1: not near the poodle era. That's Get that out of your head. Um, this is that very classic um, silhouette where we have a cinched waist, or not a cinched waist, but. No, we had a, a
0: cinched waist.
1: It wasn't necessarily cinched, it was a belted waist, like a, a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. waist Oh, okay. yeah, And then we had a simple um, form-fitting top with a circle skirt.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because the skirt went oh. out and it was just past the knees.
1: Right, but not necessarily... It didn't flare out. There wasn't this... Because we we weren't in, like, New York or Hollywood. We were in, you know, rural Texas. Right. And so everything was basically... It was like the the linen summer dress, you know? I'm
0: glad you mentioned that because one thing that I loved was the fact that... Well, so... So everyone but Cicely, Mrs. Watt were in cotton or were linen. well they were in linen but or or a finer fabric, mm-hmm. they looked to be in a nicer fabric of sorts. Her traveling companion mm-hmm. was in a nicer dress, with the gloves and the the cardigan mm-hmm. and the nice hat and everything. Okay, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. who played her son, he had these nice pajamas and then he was in a nice suit. And of course, Vanessa Williams played the daughter-in-law. She was in a nice robe and then she was in these beautiful dresses and whatnot with a nice There's hat like in them. satin. Exactly. But then Mrs. Watts seemed to be in this cheaper cotton dress.
1: So that, yeah. So a lot of it was linen because it, especially in the South, so linen is one of the few fabrics that breathes very well. So mm-hmm. it makes it ideal for... The
0: humidity uh, and the heat. And for the heat. Yeah.
1: So um, it's also really affordable to make mm-hmm. and really, so it's a, it's a good working man's...
0: Um, fabric. Fabric.
1: I mean, you can use it for like expensive stuff too, but on the whole, it's a, like seen as kind of like that go-to. We would we would probably use it as like our lightweight polyester stuff.
0: Um, I, I mean, I guess the point I'm getting at is I don't know that the, maybe the fabrics are different, but the the choice and the way they looked. Right. She so looked more. Um, Humble? That's not the word I'm looking for. Because she didn't look poor. She just looked like she didn't have as many glamorous outfits, and that was fine. She looked more comfortable. So
1: this is the point that I was trying to make, is that different use of fabric Mm -hmm. um, helped to tell the story of not only where they were at class-wise, but also where they were at emotionally. Because it's like like the the 1940s equivalent of us going out and your grandma going out in a muumuu. Instead of going out in her Rips. jeans and shirt. yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. So it was kind of like that's a summer dress that you would wear at home, but you don't travel in your summer dress. And Mrs. Watts was traveling in her summer dress just to kind of add that added layer of maybe she wasn't completely in her right mind and she was kind of on the run because yes. everyone else had their nice travel dress yes. because you travel in, in nice, nice clothes clothing. at yes. this
0: time. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm glad that someone picked up on that as well. <laughs> yeah. By the way, everybody, you shouldn't get, like, dressed up to the nines, but I'm a firm believer, like, you shouldn't travel in, like, pajamas. Like, come on. But
1: we <coughs> should get into the history of why we did that, where we went to, and how we got to where we are now with our travel.
0: I, that um, would be a fun, fun thing to dive into, because, I mean, I don't dress to the nines when I travel, even on a long trip, but I do... I'll put on something to look like I'm put together, cause yeah, I'm. I but like I the golden some age of travel. Who,
1: they love the idea of getting to wear their pajamas on the plane. There are some people who love that, and they love the comfier the clothing, the better, you know. So it's just it's different, different strokes for different folks.
0: Yep, it takes all kinds of kinds. Um, and I do love the idea of gloves and a hat when you travel. I wish it was acceptable for me to wear gloves and a hat. I guess it is acceptable for me to wear gloves. Who who the hell cares? Um, The last thing I do want to mention uh, regarding costumes, because, um, I mean, this is a show that the late, great Paul Huntley had a hand in, were the wigs. Mm -hmm. And I loved the wigs. So the first thing I'm going to say is, Condola Rashad, who played the traveling companion, and Vanessa Williams, the daughter-in-law, had these beautiful, soft-curled gorgeous wigs, right Mm -hmm. i mean gorgeous wigs, especially considering where this is placed at um with all that humidity i mean you tell me are curls gonna hold up in a humidity like that naturally or
1: if you do a really good silk press you can get it to last
0: in with with real hair
1: yeah, with no Okay, hair.
0: okay. But then... Um, no, Ms... that's
1: not how the wig was done. No, 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 but no, no, no. But no. that's the thought I... behind it is that's what you would yeah. have done is a silk press with a set.
0: And then... But Mrs. Watts, if you look, had this, like, bun going on, you know, and it looked a little more tired and dry. But it matched the clothes, the costume, her mindset and everything. Um, and we've talked about this before. You know, it is a struggle to, it is a challenge to make something look pristine and polished and everything like that. But in my opinion, and I'm not a wig person, but this is just coming from my experience of other things. It's even harder to make something look more distressed, more more uh, str- more dirty, more dingy, that kind of thing, because you you can't make it look like it completely fell apart. But you have to make it look that way to it, so it's harder because it's going against the opposite of what you typically do. So I like that 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 existed, that he was able to bring that to the stage, to bring that to reality. Um, And he didn't make her look crazy or destitute or anything like that. She still looked put together and everything, but you could tell. It was was just that
1: subtle, little, "Eh, she's not as put together as everyone
0: else. Right. She could use a hand and and stuff. So I appreciated the wigs in the show. Um, Especially seeing it in the summer with all the heat and everything. I You know... You you are now ready to show here. You understand how hard it is with this heat and humidity to maintain wigs like that. Mm-hmm. So, should we move on to the lighting?
1: Yeah, let's talk about the lighting. I mean, it was very simple. It was what you expected. It was it was warm.
0: It was bright. Yeah. Not only did we see the effects of the lights in the home, which and what I mean by that is, um, when they turn on the light, obviously, and it wasn't like light click but you know the light got brighter as it would in a room um, but we also saw like the sun from outside coming in um, I immediately thought of the west wing when they're like you know you've got to light him from outside if you, when he does this interview you can't light him from inside otherwise he's going to be in shadow you got to light him from outside I immediately thought of that and I thought hmm hmm there's so much that goes into lighting people especially from outside because you can overpower that scene that set Mm -hmm. you know Um, or also the buses you know the buses pulling up the passing cars just all of that that lighting effect Mm
1: -hmm. riding the bus at nighttime.
0: exactly and then with it being summer in Texas as we've mentioned I thought the lighting did a really great job of communicating the heat that exists down there because you felt the heat you really did well because
1: that's that's something that living in a desert, like Utah, or even being in Vegas, you know, they have heat,
0: but it's, it's a, a dry, dry heat. It exists. And, and
1: the thing that you don't really realize until you experience it is being in a humid climate, that heat is, like, oppressive. That humidity is You oppressive. swim in like, that yeah, heat. Yeah, you feel like you're, like you're being literally crushed by this invisible weight of heat
0: there is no escape from it
1: yeah and so it's it's quite amazing how you can use light and subtle sound cues to just help communicate that
0: Yes heat. and just the the way that they angle it and the brightness in certain places the theater wasn't hot but still you were like I can feel that heat down there mm-hmm. um, and I think that that ties into our final box which is direction. Uh, I thought the director did a great job in balancing the stage, both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I think with such a wordy play as this, that's really important. You know, you've got to be able to maintain the balance, maintain the pacing, um, so that the scenes don't run too fast, they don't run too hot, which they they felt like they never did. Mm -hmm. That everything just runs at a good pace that keeps us... You know, leaning in a little bit and leaning back, leaning in a little bit and then leaning back, you know.
1: Right, well, because especially as we were younger when we saw this, it is pretty easy to check out because you're not identifying necessarily with the story plot. So you have to rely on the engagement of the actors with the audience. Right. And making sure that you are using those storytelling markers of pace and sound and how to get the audience to engage with you so that they want to hear the story exactly know? especially because it is a it's a it's a story that's like we've talked about it's a very realistic show and sometimes these are not necessarily the most exciting parts of life
0: no no they're a little this bit is, more bu- mundane this is and this also deals with something that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge as part of life you know um, one thing I liked and I and I picked up on this in in I didn't realize I picked up on this at the time, but in hindsight, each character was incomplete as a person, but together made a perfect, balanced person. So Vanessa Williams' character had the power and drive. Cecily Tyson's character had the love and compassion. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character had the courage and patience, and Gondola Rashad's character had the empathy and caring. Mm -hmm. They were all missing something, but if you had all of them on stage at once, it was a complete and balanced person. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily writing or direction, you know, giving them those, those ideas or whatever. But they played into those, is my point. And that really kept that balance there. That, that kept that balance ever-flowing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Breathing, if you will. Um, and that was really important. So that, you know, we're following Mrs. Watts and she needs something from everyone. And she gets from everyone at some point, even from her daughter-in-law, who they don't get along, she still gets that power and drive because the fact that the daughter-in-law keeps pushing on her to, no, listen to what I say, no, listen to what I say, no, listen to what I say, that empowers her to go do what she wants. Mm -hmm. She sees how strong that that woman is and goes, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I felt like the show was breathing and sermonizing to us, which was amazing. I didn't feel like... I was necessarily being told a story, but like I said, I was watching a memory unfolding. This felt more like a memory play than it was a, I'm going to tell you a story, and we're all going to learn a lesson. So that, that's, I, I, and I think those were all directorial decisions. I mean, except for the memory part. I think that's (laughs) definitely a writing.
1: The show has had several notable performers, including Cecily Tyson, Vanessa Williams, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Condola Rashad. Also, it's worth noting that this show was Miss Tyson's first Broadway show since 1983.
0: talk about the impact this show has had on the theater and its history. Theatrical impact. As you mentioned, um, this was an all people of color cast. I think with the exception of the sheriff. Um, or
1: maybe the bus, the bus
0: driver. I Well, I think they were one and the same. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Um, and I think that's an important theatrical impact. It's an all POC cast of the show on Broadway. Right. Um, but it
1: wasn't a show that was written specifically for the people to be
0: there's there's no 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 race written in the script. It, it could be played by any race. It doesn't say it's specifically for you know people who are white, black, polka dot, whatever. It it's just written, it's a story. Exactly. But the and fact I think that this important. was a yeah, but the fact that it was a a, a POC cast was I think a theatrical impact. You know, especially considering that this was uh, nine years ago, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds like oh, who cares? And It's like no, this is this is a big deal. Um, I also think the other theatrical impact that I could come up with was, as you mentioned, this is Cicely Tyson's return to Broadway. You know, uh, mm-hmm. forty year, thirty years later, excuse me, um, she's back on Broadway. This 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 award winning, this Oscar and now Tony award winning actress, like she's back, and it was such privilege to see her perform. Um, and I think that that's noteworthy. Um,
1: well, I think that's a lot of the reason why we went to go see the show.
0: Absolutely. I, I wanted to be able to say, I saw her. I wanted to see this legend. And I wanted to be able just to just absorb all of it. You know, I, I, she's there are, there are performers out there, like I've, I've said, I could just watch her read a phone book. You know, um, and, and I just wanted to see this great legend do what she's known to do and I didn't care what show she was doing I just wanted to see her very very few and far between will I be like I'm gonna go see a show for a performer but in this case it wasn't because like I'm fangirling it was literally like I want she's a legend I want to go see an expert in her craft um should we go on societal impact yeah I think this show made us look at how we treat and view the elderly Mm mhm um and, and and I know the show has been around for a while, but I mean, I'm speaking to this particular production and what it did to the audience that saw it, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, I just keep going back to the age I was when I saw this and the age I am now. Like, the things that I'm able to understand, like, because I remember the show was good, but I didn't really relate to it. But now that I'm older, I relate to so many more things and it hits, it's more impactful. Towards me, um, just because I have never, I've never really experienced what she's experiencing, at least at the time, and so for me, it really made me want to understand my elders
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to really find ways to identify with them because it really, it kind of made me realize there was a disconnect.
0: Yeah, and it made us examine how we deal with issues of aging, whether that be dementia, memory loss, whatever, you know. <clears throat> um, a lot of people have to deal with this and, and seeing how someone has dealt with it. It's, it's This is one of many shows that have dealt with this subject matter. Um, but yeah, it it's another holding up a mirror and making you realize stuff. So I think that's a huge impact to let people know you're not alone, but also... Here's a shared experience. Here's a shared story.
1: Right. Well, and also to have um, people of color represented in this story. Because it does affect everyone. Yeah. And so that... Typically when we
0: see those stories, we do see white people.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's good to see people of color for representation.
0: Speaking of which, with a POC cast... It brought a different audience to this kind of show, one that reflected the cast on stage.
1: Yes, I remember this is one of the first times being in the audience and actually hearing um, people responding to things mm-hmm. like it was a sermon.
0: Yeah, but it, it was, it, this is, you know, I like the fact that, that I'm, I'm, I'm sure this isn't the first time in theater history, but this is when I noticed it. the stage and audience began to reflect itself. You know, we, we were starting to see that balance. And, and of course, now we're starting to see behind the scenes, on the stage, in the audience, all of that start to reflect each other. The stories being told by the people who are telling it and written by those same people in the audience seeing it, you know, they're, they're the same people, which is nice because theater's for everyone. So, is this show still relevant? This is a hard one for me because Horton Foote is such an iconic playwright that I feel like in the right hands and the right interpretation, most of his works can, can continue to be relevant. But considering what I take away from the show and what I think the message is, I'd have to say no right now. I think it's best suited for regional and community theaters. I think there are better plays that can communicate the ideas told here. And new playwrights should have a shot at that here on Broadway. So at least for now, in the you know near future, the next year or two, I'm gonna say no this isn't relevant for right now
1: I think I would agree with that People flow like water on the tiny hairs of an African pilot And when I have a child she'll grow up so plain in the dirt and on pavement And if the day ever calls where I lose my bones given into a habit I'll bite my lip Trip of Red, I'll paint your perfect portrait. And it will be sunk by my hand, scratched out by a man who envies the time spent to reflect on all the self-destruction, all the stupid stuff I do. trying to try understand my place. Finally, as promised, we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing the show.
0: So we had the good fortune of getting to see the show, as we mentioned, back in 2013. I mean, obviously, we saw the show, we are talking about it. <laughs> um we got, I think, one of the best memories and, and stories we have. I mean, we got to meet this star studded, jam packed cast. Condola Rashad, Cuba Gooding Jr., Vanessa Williams, and of course, Ms. Cecily Tyson. We met them. We got autographs, pictures. I mean. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> one, one thing I do remember that I loved is um, meeting, I, I we met. Got a picture autographed with Condola Rashad. She would later go on to, you know, be in um, *Saint Joan* at MTC's Freedman and get a Tony nomination for it. She'd go on to be in *A Doll's House* Part Two. Like she is Condola Rashad now. You know, she is not just like oh, I'm gonna be in the background. Like she is Condola Rashad. She's an, she's just a brilliant actress. Vanessa Williams. We all know Vanessa Williams. That needs no introduction. Cuba Gooding Jr., you know. I, I don't know. I don't think this was a stage debut. I'd have to double check. And then, of course, Cecily Tyson. I mean, oh, she was so sweet. So sweet. Um, you had already mentioned this, but I, I think it bears repeating. This is the first show that sounded and felt like church with the audience responding. I'd never been to a show where, like, the audience was doing the, mm-hmm, ah, Yes. You too. You know, and people Amen. were singing along you know. with the hymn yeah. that was saying, And I was like, I know the song too. Wait, we we're allowed to sing? And it took me eight years. When Broadway reopened to realize, yes, theater is a church. We treat theater like a church, like a place of worship. We hold it in that regard. So why don't we react that way? And furthermore... These actors are live people on stage, and what they do and what these writers and, and composers and I have put in do warrant a reaction. So if you do feel like you have to react, you should be reacting.
1: Right, because that's the intent, is to get a reaction.
0: Right, it's live theater, you know? And so I can't believe it took me eight years, but even now I'll be at a show, and if I, you know, I... Mm, you know, I, I will have a fit all day. I won't purposely do it, but if I feel that need, oh, absolutely. If it comes out, it comes out, you know? Um, so I, I love that this is the starting point. I wish it had happened sooner, but I'm glad that it was this show. And then at least my last memory uh, didn't necessarily come from this show. It would come five years later. Um, my own relationship... With the story in relation to my grandmother, my nan, having to go through this um, later, shortly before she passed, my, my, my nan had uh, vascular dementia. And when we came back from our travels this summer, that summer, um, she came up to Salt Lake from Tucson, where she lived, to stay with us. Where um, she had lived, but she, when she would return to Tucson, she would not be going back to her home. She was going to have to go to a senior independent living center because she couldn't live right, on her own. But, and all she wanted to do the entire time she was with us is just go home. She just wanted to go home. She's like, I can be fine. I can just go home. I, I want to go well, home. But
1: there was other things also happening because she wanted to go home, but she also, she's originally born and England. raised in England. And yeah, she wanted and so, to so she to wanted England. to go home to England. She wanted to go be back home with her mom and dad. But she couldn't fly
0: because of health issues. And so, in hindsight now, putting this show together, I was like, oh my gosh, the amount of relation that I have to the story, now I understand, I can understand both sides even better. I can understand them more in depth, which makes me, you know, as we mentioned earlier in the show, what side do you fall on? Do you fall with the son and daughter-in-law, or do you fall with Mrs. Watts? Who who's in the right here? And it just it, it's a paradox. Nobody wins, and also maybe nobody loses. So anyway, theater is back, and we hope you can join us at a show soon.
1: You'll be able to catch the trip to Bountiful near you sometime soon, I'm sure.
0: We also want to remind you that you can now become a producer and patron of the show by getting your Backstage Pass.
1: Information about our Backstage Pass can be found at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod.
0: And with that, we want to thank patrons Karen B. and Lauren C. for their generous contributions. It is thanks to listeners like you we are able to continue to bring you the content you love. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones.
1: Unwrap your candies and keep your masks on.
0: And keep talking about the theater.
1: In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe.
0: You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod.
1: And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com.
0: Our theme song is Fox by Music for Wildlife. Other music on this episode provided by David Mumford, The Midnight Suns, Jazz R, Cud Eastbound, and Billy Murray.